Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please like a review and rate us on iTunes as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them. So please reach out via Facebook or on email as I'd love to answer any questions. You can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. In today's episode, we are continuing with our discussion on the magical tools of the magician. Last episode, we discussed the sword or knife of the east, or the air dagger as it's known. And in today's episode, I'll be talking about the rod or the wand of fire, which sits in the south. If we look at any childhood idea of the magician or magic, one of the first elements that we see is the wand. And this is the tool that the great Czech magician Franz Baden described as being the most important tool in ritual magic. And Eliphas Levi described the wand as The magical wand is the verendum of the magus. It must not even be mentioned in any clear and precise manner. No one should boast of its possession, nor should its consecration ever be transmitted, except under the conditions of absolute discretion and confidence. And that's Eliphas Levi in his Dogma et Ritual de la Haute Magie. Wands are represented in obviously Lord of the Rings. You've got you know Gandalf, etc., um, Harry Potter as well, and you also get the, the same sort of symbolism in the mythological king's scepter as well. We also see the symbol of the wand or the staff in a field marshal's baton. You get Merlin's staff, Aaron's rod. There's the rod of Moses and Asclepius and the caduceus of Hermes which is a type of wand used by the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. The crook and the flail of the Egyptian rulers are also representative of the power and force carried through from these higher levels down to the world of Malkut and manifestation. And that's something Paul Hewson talks about in his Mastering Witchcraft, which is kind of a, a, an ancient, kind of very old classic in the field, but um, still quite interesting, some of the aspects in it, when he says the following... The wand has always been associated with divine wisdom, whether it presented in the Tibetan pantheon as a doji or thunderbolt scepter or as the classical Mercury's winged rod, the caduceus. All the legendary wizards from biblical times on have carried rods wherein their powers were often vested. Janas and Jambras of the Egyptians, Moses, Aaron and Elijah, Merlin, Virgilus, Roger Bacon, the list is extensive. 
Like all magical tools, however, and as we discussed in the introduction to this series, it's although you know it's, it looks very grand walking around with a wand and it's like you know the powerful magician, it must also be remembered that it really is a tool for transformation. So it's not the, the wand that causes changes, but rather the practitioner or the magician who uses it, who charges it with personal power. The wand is made by the magus to project the power of will. Thus, it becomes a physical representation of the magical will. Rods or wands are usually in the shape of a ruler or a pointer of some sort, and you know, in that element is very much directive of this kind of idea of directing power, but also the principle of uprightness and rulership. So it signifies this power given to the magician, enabling us to rule with our own faculties. So it's almost like our responsibility to use that power and direct it correctly. Rods can be Correctors of conduct, so obviously you get the cane or the staff to control something, so you control a wild animal or, you know, to, for punishment. Rods can be used as guides, so obviously you have a blind man's cane, or the ability to probe safely in the darkness. Rods can be used as a tool, so it's the hand of an axe or a lever, or something that we can use to lift up a rock or bring fire down or create fire you know so you get the obviously the, the idea of prometheus and the baculus staff rods can also be a pen as well which is obviously more more relevant the act of writing and oh, i feel to the east than the south but it's this kind of but then if you think about it being like this creative fire that's flowing out through the writing of the pen and then obviously you get the you know the wand used by the stage musician when they say hocus pocus, which is a derivation of the Latin hoc est corpus, which is this is the body. So it's this concept of transfer forming the sacred wafer into the body of Christ. So you know there's obviously a very powerful deeper meaning behind that. Obviously the rod is also a phallic symbol, um, enables procreation and, and is often seen together with the sword as being masculine whilst the cup and the pentacle are considered to be feminine the latin word virility comes from the latin vir which um, means man signifying his direct erect member and if you look at the design of a lot of wands they often have a tipped head which looks like a yod like the hebrew letter yod and it's this idea of the fire flowing down the wand and some ones, for instance, in the Golden Dawn tradition, they, they would actually have a magnetised metal rod through the centre. And that would actually be partly part of this aspect of kind of charging this energy through from the intention of the magician through into, into the wand. And that's something that David Conway writes about um, again it's a very classic book I've been revisiting quite a lot of these old books recently um, when he said in his occult primer he says the wand has been said to perform much the same function as a wireless aerial 
serving to conduct etheric vibrations onto the plane of dense matter. Although itself a part of the physical world, it is capable of reaching out and arresting the supraphysical forces that charge the air around it. So what he's saying is obviously on the inner, inner levels, it also does the same things. It's got this ability to create and think, make things multiply. So this is like a very much a tool of Hokuma, which is kind of the archetypal force of the tree of life. And if you don't know about Hokuma, then I recommend going back and listening to the episode we did on that last year because there's quite a lot of stuff in there. And um, William Gray, who, he also writes about this this kind of element of power in his book, Temple Magic. And I wanted to quote him. This rod represents everything in and around me with enough energy to arouse my capabilities of creative consciousness. It rules and regulates my conduct, measures the reach of my mind, stands for my most spiritual faculties, and it means my kingship, pointing to the royal blood I bear from my most ancient ancestry. When I hold it in my hands, it indicates my royal responsibilities and tells me that I must command myself before I dare decree what other humans should attempt. A long time ago, primitive humans helped themselves to stay upright by means of staffs, and thus began the magic of humanity's evolution. The rod was the first instrument that helped us to control the fatal element of fire. Since that time, we have progressed until our present point of peril. We have fixed a form of fire that can destroy us in a flash. This symbol of a rod means all I ever may accomplish by applied intelligence and educated inspiration. It points to every letter of each law there is to learn in life. It guides my glance to wherever I should look for some enlightenment. It may chastise me if I need correction, but it will not bruise or brutalise me. I rec respect its sexual implications as a sign of life and our gift of generation, so that the human race may live on earth until we shall evolve elsewhere as better beings altogether. Let the symbolism of a rod mean all of this to me and much, much more as I have any hope of comprehending what it points at. So yeah, he's, he's really nicely put that in terms of all these different aspects of the rod as being this kind of guiding force that both represents our power but it also kind of is steering us in the right direction so it's it's a guiding force from that point of view in terms of the attribution in, in generally in the western mystery tradition it's placed in the south some different traditions place it in the east as well how i generally use the south uh, for fire and so yeah it represents the energy of fire within the magician um 
in terms of the, the the reason it's kind of switched around sometimes so some people would put the the wand in the in the east as kind of representing the sort of caduceus of mercury and this kind of hod and then you'd have the sword in the south which is something they do in Gardnerian wicker uh, as representing Gebura and fire and the sort of Martian energies and yeah I don't I mean I think either both of them can both pretty much work it's just the tradition I've worked in is always you've always had the wand in the south and the sword in the east so it doesn't really matter if you have different different things because obviously they are interchangeable all of these different um, elements and tools and if you look at um I prefer it in the south because if you look at the wand of the golden dawn which is the fire wand as it's known the tip is meant to be this yod which is from you know the hebrew alphabet so if we think about the formula of the tetragrammaton it's yod which is fire hay which is water vow which is air and then hay which is earth so when we do the middle pillar we're drawing fire down from heaven and creating a tube of energy or fire we become a beam and a, a tube or a wand of pure energy ourselves and the energy of action and the willpower. So that's why I prefer it in that position. But, um, you know, other people do. And it's this is the idea of becoming the, the fire is expressed quite well with by Frater UD um, when he says the following. Picture the wand as a sort of right hand of your own magical will. It embodies creation and action, while the cup is centripetal, moving towards centralization and feminine. The wand is centrifugal, moving away from centralization and male. When dipped in cold water, the hot wand will cause vaporization thereby creating air. The wand is therefore power and driving force at the same time, but also the power of control over itself and control over the universe it creates. But the wand doesn't create entirely on its own. It needs the cup. Blind action without firm intuition is a waste of energy on life. The lingam, phallus, wand must unite with the yoni, vagina, cup. Only the interaction between yin and yang can arouse the energy that leads to creation. So actions create magicians. So that's what we need to do. We need to take action and embrace our fearlessness and our bravery as we saw in the Four Powers of the Sphinx episodes, you know, have this action to dare, to will, etc. to just go out there and do things. And often you find if you do embrace action and this creative action, if you start creating something, often you'll find it will lead to something else. So often the most amazing ideas that people have, they don't come from... They don't come up with that idea originally. They just had to start something else and then it would kind of almost have its own children, that idea. And that's very relevant to the concept of the wand and 
this reproductive power where it's just bang and it's charged etc and it's moving on from a practical point of view there's lots of different stuff written about that i'm not going to go into too much detail on it um you know they wands can be made from lots of different materials you get wood ones you get metal ones you get rock ones you get ones with big shiny crystals attached to the top as well and though the golden dawn system the elemental wand of fire is it's not the same as the other ones so you do get other ones like lotus wand and caduceus or the staff of the carrox um but yeah they're all kind of similar in terms of some of the powers um and some there are quite specific instructions in some of the books for so for instance in the key of solomon book two chapter eight it says the following the staff should be of elderwood or cane and the wand of hazel or nut tree in all cases the wood being virgin that is one of the year's growth only that is of one year's growth only they should each be cut from the tree at a single stroke on the day of Mercury, Wednesday, at sunrise. The characters shown should be written or engraved therein in the day and hour of Mercury. And um, yeah, I mean that's that's from the Key of Solomon. It's just talking about obviously the different woods. You get elderwood, you get cane. Um, hazel is kind of the traditional one. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever tried doing coppicing in a woods, but it's pretty hard to chop a piece of wood that would be thick enough for a wand at a single stroke so um yeah it'd be interesting to try that one out but um it's not something that i've personally followed from that point of view um you also get different ones so in the almadel as well and um, they talk about ones should be made of anthilis or barber jovis which is jovis beard and it's an evergreen shrub, which is native to the Mediterranean region. And then decorated with different silk threads of the different colours. Um, other ones from all the Grimoireic tradition. So you've got the Sworn Book of Honorius. The magician's wand is made of laurel or hazel. Um, with usually from one year's growth as well. So I think there's probably a lot of wisdom uh, connected with some of those aspects in terms of why hazel. Hazel is very kind of uh, energetic plant, so it, it grows everywhere. It's obviously got the fruits of the the nuts as well, so it may be to do with that in terms of it's this kind of fiery wood, but it would need more investigation from that point of view. Certainly, when you do, if you do go and try and make your own wand, um, one of the things I have found that is quite useful is to actually sit down with the tree. And try and build up a bit of a relationship with it so i wouldn't go straight away and go and chop a plant off um you know it's good to kind of do some meditation or burn a little candle by it have a little offering to the tree spirits and and do that over you know maybe over the course of a couple of months really so you kind of built up this relationship and you kind of can ask permission from the tree that it will kind of sacrifice part of itself so that you can use that for your working um and then other things you can do with it then is obviously you know you want to try and build up that energy with it so before you even prepare it i've always usually done a kind of meditation practice with the actual wand itself um and 
you know you can put things do for instance put it under your pillow at night is quite a good way because it'll kind of soak up those energies when you're asleep and you can kind of build up this connection because really it should be a connection an extension of your own willpower really so you need to build up this this connection um and that's why I've always made my own stuff uh, rather than buying it because obviously if you buy things then um, you're not going to have that personal connection straight away. Although obviously if you do use stuff over long periods of time it will start to build up even if it is something that's bought. So there's not really a massive issue with buying things like this. It's just as long as you kind of spend the time uh, building up that relationship. So, yeah, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks very much for joining us on the Occult London podcast. Hope you've all enjoyed it. Uh, In next week's episode, we will be talking about the cup or the chalice of the West. So I hope you can join us for that. Um, Love it if you could leave a review or rate the tune on whatever platform you're listening on, as that would help us to get this message out there. And please do get in touch if anyone has any questions. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.